This episode is brought to you by Bespoke Post and by Upstart. Welcome. First of all, this is the end of the year. We've we made it. We made it, guys. Yeah. We did it. Uh, 2021 was absolutely, without a doubt, one of the most absurd years that we can remember. There were historic highs and soul-crushing lows, a scientific and medical breakthrough that essentially saved the planet, despite an alarming amount of people's reluctance to get the jab for political reasons. Uh, then, on top of politics, you had one of the most unsettling attacks on uh, democracy that this country has seen, at least in a generation. Uh, there was hope of a return to normalcy going into the summer, then the reality of a continued pandemic towards the end of it. A stock market that has broken records, soaring to all-time highs, while a majority of the country struggles to afford the basic necessities, while sometimes working two or three jobs. What a country. Mm. There was justice where we assumed there would be none, while some people or companies shocked us with what they thought they could get away with. We are cursed with these interesting times, yeah. and we try to make the best of them. Uh, we've attempted to bring you the news in a way that is entertaining and fun, while making you aware and informed about important topics as well. This year was weird, but we're still hopeful for an eventual return to something resembling normal. And the possibility that the, the years spent reconnecting with what's important will leave us with some kind of net positive in the future. Yeah, as the great poet Keith Buckley once said, the hopeless are useless in desperate times. So yes, I mean, we're, we're looking back on a real <laughs> fucked up year, but if you're watching this video, hey, you made it. We're all in this together, and we're going to be here for you next year too. You keep us company and we'll do the same. Is that a good deal? Okay, let, let's, let's get into 2021. Okay, so we started our show last year, literally, literally <laughs> the first episode, just 2021 breaking down the door because, yeah, last year we took a little kind of long break for the holiday, started the show a little later than usual in yeah. January because, yeah, it's like, you know, we, we couldn't really go anywhere while the OG <laughs> vanilla strain of coronavirus <laughs> was enjoying a nice spike in transmission, hospitalization and deaths during the winter months. So we, we thought, were kind of stuck. Yeah. Hey, nothing big's going to happen during the first week of January, right? Mm hmm. Slow news month, usually. Yeah. What the hell could we possibly miss by taking the first week of January off from our show? Oh. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah, the January 6th insurrection on the United States Capitol in response to a lost election that uh, both Trump and his supporters viewed as stolen. Uh, encouraged and inspired by then-President Trump during a speech where he was quoted saying things like, We fight like hell, and if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Uh, thousands of his supporters marched to the U.S. Capitol, overpowered Capitol Police, broke down windows and doors, and infiltrated the entire building, including the Senate chambers and the offices of numerous elected officials, all while taking photos, <laughs> videos, and live-streaming their crimes to social media sites. Uh, most notoriously, Parler, which became a virtual evidence locker for the insurrection. Yeah, it's, uh, they, usually, like, the FBI creates a honeypot. They created one for the FBI. Yeah. Here you go. They're it's all doing on there. All the work for us. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, after it was all said and done, uh, two people were dead, one Capitol officer and one protester, and, uh, like, several more Capitol police committed suicide in, like, the two months afterwards. And various degrees of uh, uh, bad injuries uh, yeah. alongside that. Uh, Trump was impeached once again. Yeah, the uh, second time. Republicans seemed as though they'd finally had enough of Trumpism, which ended up being a very short-lived thing. Yes. They realized they just can't quit you. And uh, the investigations into the riot, as well as a growing list of arrests, also began. It's still 
Still happening. Still happening. Yeah. Over 600 people have now been formally charged for their involvement in the events of January 6th, with cases being settled or sentences being handed down on a semi-frequent basis. Uh, uh, just as I was uh, finished uh, writing some of this, uh, the longest sentence got handed out. Yeah. It's like five years or something like that. Yeah, this guy, he he really got into it. He was like fighting cops and uh, doing... He was that shit. doing all of it. He 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 got his uh, his January sixth bucket list checklist fully filled out. He got the bingo card. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the two most notorious members of the insurrection that we covered on our show had to be uh, Jake Angeli, aka the QAnon shaman, who uh, he was the the post literally the poster child. Literally, yeah. Just in every photo, because yeah. I mean, look at him. But he ended up getting sentenced to forty one months in prison. And Doug Jensen, a participant who was under house arrest while awaiting trial, but violated the terms of his release by watching two full days of my pillow CEO Mike Lindell's cyber symposium and was promptly sent back to jail for doing so with his uh, attorney saying that it proved that his client was literally addicted to right-wing news. He just can't help himself. Literally that's how bad it was. He was so addicted to it that he broke the conditions of his release and like watched it on a phone in his garage. Your Honor, my client's a moron. Yeah, that pretty much that. And he yeah. was like, also, he this is his daughter's phone. Uh, it wasn't him that did it. Uh, anyway, yeah. yeah, the January 6th saga is far from over. And even now, the wheels of justice are still turning very slowly yeah. with new information still trickling out, trickling out. There's a government committee that's still handing out subpoenas related to the insurrection to members of Trump's White House and other people, Steve Bannon, uh, uh, Mark, Mark Meadows. Yeah. Uh, so, the text messages that were recently released were like, even Laura Ingram was like, hey, can someone tell Trump to stop this? He's making us all look bad. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah still a lot of juice left in that berry. That was uh, <laughs> apparently one of the reasons that Chris Wallace, like, had finally had enough. Where like, it was just like, embarrassing. Like, Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram saying the exact opposite of how they were feeling on air. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, uh, 2021 really, really started out with some crazy shit. They set the bar really high right at the beginning. But at that point, we were still dealing with something left over from the year before. And technically, technically, the year before that, too. That's how it got the 19. The coronavirus, COVID-19. Yeah. In spite of a horrific winter surge caused by boomers coughing leftover stuffing into each other's mouths and demanding that their grandchildren open presents in person at the retirement home. With all the windows closed. Yeah. There was hope on the horizon. A literal miracle of modern science and medicine. The development of which has pushed treatments forward by decades and will have untold positive effects on human health moving forward. The COVID vaccines developed by companies like Moderna, Pfizer, and to a lesser extent... Johnson and Johnson. They get a gold star. The no more tears vaccine. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, while while these life-saving vaccines started rolling out in January, late January, they wouldn't be fully deployed until late spring. So we'll get to all that in a minute. But before everyone could get vaxxed, waxed, and ready for hot boy summer, w- hell had to freeze over first. Mm-hmm. And we're talking, of course, about the Texas power grid, which suffered a catastrophic failure earlier this year, leaving millions of residents without electricity during an intense winter snowstorm. Yeah, the Texas power grid is brilliantly designed. It is cut <laughs> off completely from the rest of the country. Yeah, they did their own power grid. And heavily deregulated, which compounded by the fact that Texas is now consistently getting hit with extreme weather events and the fact that their governor, Greg Abbott, literally canceled an oversight contract just a few months before she hit the fan. This was all but an inevitability. Yeah. 
That didn't stop their politicians from placing blame on their constituents, though, and frozen wind turbines, supposedly. <laughs> and yeah. uh, all those, those power hogs who were then charged thousands of dollars during the blackout by Gritty, not the lovable Philadelphia Flyers mascot, but yeah. the name of a local energy company that price gouges customers for daring to keep their homes warm if they still had access to electricity. Yeah. The free market works. <laughs> yeah, and Gritty is responsible. Uh, people could not cook food, boil water, stay warm. Pipes started bursting inside homes. Businesses got flooded, and uh, yeah. It was bad. Like, everything, pipes were bursting because it was freezing, yeah. and then it was like, oh, and then when they melt, it's just, <laughs> there it just goes. ruins people's homes and businesses. Yeah, it was real bad. Yeah, it was a gigantic federal emergency that uh, is co- going to cost billions of dollars still. But at least Texas's uh, elected representatives were they there. S- they stayed there on they the ground. They stayed and fought, right? Right alongside their citizens, right? We're in this together. Nope. This this power grid thing, that was, if you'll remember, the event where Texas Senator Ted Cruz tried to flee the state and visit Cancun, Mexico, while his constituents froze to death, only to be caught on camera and shamed on social media at the airport, causing him to make up a bunch of excuses as to why he was leaving at such an opportunistic time. It was my daughter's fault. My yeah. daughter made me do it. Yeah, just like the guy with his phone in the garage. It was his daughter's my fault. My daughter's fault. Uh, here's a quote. Look, it was obviously a mistake, and in hindsight, I wouldn't have done it, he said. I was trying to be a dad, and all of us have made decisions. When you've got two girls who have been cold for two days and haven't had heater power, and they're saying, hey, look, we don't have school. Why don't we go? Let's get out of here. I think there are a lot of parents that would be like, look, if I can do this, great. That's what I wanted to do. Okay, Ted. Yeah, every parent in America is like, it's a little cold outside. Why don't we go down to Cancun, Mexico? Mexico. Bring the whole family. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in the months that have followed the uh, Texas power grid disaster, ERCOT fired its CEO. Lawsuits have been filed against that company, and uh, everyone is hopefully preparing for another round of winter storms coming up real soon. Yeah, we're we're due. Yeah, we'll see how it goes in 2022. Let's everyone. see if Texas has done anything. Oh, by the way, here's this from happening again. Here's an update that uh, happened just this month. Uh, Ted Cruz, the guy who left to go to Cancun, uh, he seems to think that the solution to Texas's power grid problems might be in Bitcoin mining for some reason. It does generate a lot of heat. Yeah, he thinks that uh, Bitcoin miners, they can help not hurt the Texas power grid because they can shut down their rigs in seconds and they keep things balanced because they use power when it's not needed. He's basically a Thanos. He's like uh, perfectly balanced. They're using the electricity when it's not needed, and they will shut their mining rigs off when it is needed. Yeah, what what this power grid needs is um, strain to be strained further. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Definitely, Bitcoin miners are the people that Ted Cruz can trust to shut off their mining rigs at a moment's notice uh-huh. when the community surrounding them really needs it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Bitcoin's the solution, I guess. It's the solution to all problems, even power grid problems. I guess we'll see how that works out. But uh, let's get back to that thing we were talking about earlier. Yeah, Yeah. so um, the vaccine, the mRNA vaccines, revolutionary advancements in science and medicine. They were ready, willing, and waiting to save this entire godsaken year for all of us. Yeah. It was there. The solution was right there. The Mm -hmm. scientific breakthrough known as the COVID-19 vaccine was there for the taking, literally free. Throughout the months of January, February, March, and April, people were basically fighting, lying, and cheating their way to the front of the line so they could get vaccinated and get back to normal as quickly as possible. Because at the time, it was highly sought after. Obviously, they were trying to get it to the people who needed it the most. Frontline workers, nurses, uh, even uh, like, well, specifically the elderly. uh, And then it worked its way down to like anyone that was working at 
grocery stores, food delivery. It was a tiered system that, uh, yeah. in theory, would have worked. But also, humans are humans. Americans gonna America. And a lot of people cut a lot of lines. Yeah. And they all thought we forgot, but we didn't. But in the early days, yeah, yeah. a dose of the vaccine was about as hot as the latest Nike or Supreme drop. Mm-hmm. People were doing whatever they could to get their hands on it or get it in their arms. Yes. Uh, anyway, once the floodgates opened in May and pretty much everyone who wanted to get vaccinated was fully able to by June, it, it seemed like the coronavirus was finally behind us and we could start getting back to normal. Boy, were we fucking wrong about that one. Yeah, knock, knock. Jesus. It's me, the Delta variant, here to ruin the rest of the year and absolutely laying fucking waste to anyone who hadn't got the vaccine. Yes, I mean, it was true that the virus was still spreading despite large numbers of the population simply getting the jab. But it was also true that the vaccine provided incredible amounts of protection from severe infection, hospitalization, and especially death. The Delta variant was a scorched earth campaign that essentially dared the unvaccinated to keep tempting fate. And within weeks, the Herman Cain Award subreddit, a forum where posts included anti-vax rhetoric followed by pleas for help from prayer warriors, followed by death announcements, that subreddit had more content than you could even keep up with. Yeah, it was wild. It was updating all day long, every day. These freedom warriors are dropping like flies. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we thought that the vaccines would finally bring people together and end all of this, especially because credit where it's due, they were developed while Donald Trump was in office. Yeah. Daddy wants you to have your vaccine. (laughs) Yeah. Yet even his most fervent supporters still wanted absolutely nothing to do with it, which is daddy. That makes daddy very sad. Yeah. He even told them and they told them like, I don't know. I think you should get it. I I got got it. it. You you guys should get it. (laughs) Boo, you suck. So yeah, they continued, these people, they continued to just drag down progress like they've been doing in various other facets of everyday life for years. And they still continue to do so in the face of a new variant that's quickly taken over, Omicron. Omicron. Luckily, uh, so far at least, it appears as though Omicron isn't as deadly as the previous variants, but it spreads much, much easier. And there's a lot of uh, uh, theories about why it's uh, less deadly. And as we said before, typically in the life cycle of a virus, it will become... it's easier to spread, but less severe. Yeah. But what a lot of uh, scientists and doctors are thinking uh, is the reason that this one is less deadly is because so, uh, thankfully a large po- part of the population has the vaccine, but also uh, a lot of people have already gotten the coronavirus. So they have at least the people that aren't vaccinated that had it have at least some protection. Yeah, so it's like it, it could be as bad as before, but uh we're just all kind of like through it now, mm-hmm. it, whether you did it by getting a jab or by uh, suffering through the virus. Um, no idea. But thankfully, so far, it doesn't seem to be as bad as the Delta variant. But it's getting around. It's <laughs> it's definitely getting around. I'd hate yeah. to be a grandma or grandpa right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, despite the vaccines being readily available in this country, uh, much to the chagrin of other countries that really would like to. You're not going to use those because we could really use them. Uh, and also boosters ready to go for anyone looking to top off. Do a little candy flipping. We are still going to be dealing with some form of this stupid pandemic for the foreseeable future. We just hope that it continues to at least taper off and get less severe. But yeah. we're in the midst of another holiday upswing, just like last year and I guess technically the year before that. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But while 2021 saw a small but extremely vocal and stupid portion of our country quickly morph from COVID deniers to anti-vaxxers, one thing about them stayed the same. They were still vehemently anti-mask. That never changed. 
They were COVID deniers who were anti-mask, and now they're anti-vaxxers who are anti-mask. I will not put on a muzzle. <laughs> they a real carryover from a very bleak 2020. Anti-maskers are the ultimate crybaby narcissistic weirdos because they just, they can't do the one simple thing that could legitimately save lives and keep people from getting sick. And it makes them so angry so upset that people are telling them to wear a mask that it has become a political rallying cry and something that these people are clearly willing to lose their rights and freedom over. Anti-maskers did a lot of stupid shit in 2020, like protesting at grocery stores and supermarkets. But as travel returned to normal in 2021, the anti-maskers got the brilliant idea to start preaching their gospel to a captive audience on an airplane, which is protected by federal law and has much more severe consequences when those laws are broken. Yeah, so yeah. the amount of things that you're putting at risk by protesting a very simple instruction on an airplane is staggering. It's really not worth it. You will be banned from flying. You will be thrown in jail. Maybe have to pay some pretty big fines that might even bankrupt you. Yeah. Nevertheless, they persisted. <laughs> and over the course of the year, we saw video after video after video of weirdos rattling off their speeches in front of a bunch of people who really just wanted to get where they're going. Please stop. I'm, I'm already miserable. Yeah. Uh, real captive audience, <laughs> literally. There's also the ones who wear their masks wrong on purpose. Uh, that one guy who wore a woman's thong on his face just last week. What? That's my protest. What? Is this what you want me to do? Mm. Uh, sometimes they don't have a speech prepared. Sometimes the mask is just slowly and quietly like, just boiling their fucking brains until they either can't take it anymore or have had enough alcohol to make them brave enough to go hog wild on passengers, flight attendants, and maybe maybe air marshals too. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe I can reduce some crimes in the sky. <laughs> the bad behavior in the air became such an epidemic that airlines had to remove alcohol from flights. You bastard. And in some cases, send their flight attendants to self-defense courses so that they were better prepared to deal with unruly passengers. And we haven't seen too much data from the Thanksgiving travel weekend, but back at the beginning of November, the FAA released some stats that they'd collected for the first 11 months of 2021. And here's what they found. Over 5,000 unruly reports, 3,710 refusing to wear mask reports, 973 investigations initiated, and 239 cases with penalties. Jesus Christ. Back in August of this year, the fines related to unruly passengers surpassed a million dollars, with each month after that entering the hundreds of thousands of dollars on its own. And flights weren't the only place that anti-mask and anti-vax members of this society that we live in were able to grab a captive audience so they could embarrass themselves in front of anyone in attendance and then everyone online once the videos were posted. Yeah. It really just came down hard at school board and PTA meetings around the country this year where idiot parents, a lot of whom, they don't even go here. They don't even have a kid <laughs> that goes there. They might not even have kids at all. Yeah. They just know that they'll let anyone into these fucking meetings <laughs> and, and they'll let anyone the, talk. It used to be the honor system. Why would anyone come to a PTA yeah. meeting or a school board meeting if their kids didn't attend the school? So, yeah, those people, they made it their duty to educate this education system along with anyone else that was in attendance. Uh, Facebook groups orchestrated in-person protests at these meetings, giving the false impression that a majority of the parents felt this way, even though, again... Wow, a lot of people. These people were just going around the country on like a fucking deadhead tour, yeah. but just going to every school board meeting. Yeah. Occasionally, you'd get the more entertaining nut jobs, like the lady who did an anti-vax rendition of Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas." But the majority of these microphone takeovers were just sad and depressing. And uh, you really got to feel bad for the kids. And it wasn't just COVID stuff. They went after critical race theory, the new hot button issue that isn't just completely manufactured out of thin air. Yep. And it basically translates to, I don't want my kids to know a thing about the 
obviously racist history of this country yeah. at all. I don't want them to know about that because then they might feel bad. Fuck you. But if 2021 is going to be known for anything, at least online, it's going to be known for the year that NFTs were introduced to the world. NFTs, non-fungible tokens. They took over and then completely dominated the conversation inside the world of tech, art, currency, uh, fast food, gaming, literally anything you can think of. It all has something to do with NFTs nowadays. What started out as a pretty unique idea where actual artists were able to create limited edition works that were verified by the blockchain, it quickly spun out of control once companies realized how much money people were spending on what was essentially nothing. Yeah. Very quickly, companies and celebrities started announcing their intentions to develop and release these NFTs despite a very real and very serious threat to the environment. You see, back in the old days of the first half of 2021, most NFTs were backed by Ethereum, which is a disastrous energy hog. And NFTs being the hot new thing justifiably worried activists worldwide. It's kind of a bad time for uh, wasting energy on this kind of thing. Kind yes. of, uh, uh, everything else indicates that we should be doing the exact opposite, folks. But as I said, when we over the whole year we've been covering this, it when you look at it as someone writing the script of Earth, NFTs being the actual doomsday device yeah. is, makes the most sense out of anything I've seen so far. The yeah. fact that we were already on the path to climate destruction and then in 2021, <laughs> NFTs is like the a season finale of Breaking Bad. Okay, but what if we use way more energy? <laughs> anyway, in the months that followed uh, the debut of NFTs, the yeah. energy consumption aspect of NFTs changed in some ways. Uh, there were options that were less detrimental to the environment. Which not is, not yeah. detrimental, but just less detrimental exactly. than Ethereum, which is horrific. Yeah. But by this point, uh, way back in the summer of 2021, NFTs had gone from uh, kind of cool art projects to just absolute, obvious Ponzi scheme trash when random newly formed companies started minting what looked like randomly generated furry art that was uh, bought and sold for just absurd amounts of money because they had unique and rare characteristics, I guess. Mine has a flute in its mouth. So these NFTs would go on to dominate the market, the conversation, and widespread mockery of this hot new tech product uh, for the following few months. Yeah, it was. It became the easiest thing to point and laugh at. The lazy yeah. lions, the bored apes. I paid $10,000 for this shitty fucking lunchbox design of a... A lion wearing a top hat. Hi, it's me, Jimmy Fallon. Check out my new bored ape. Isn't it cool, everyone? No, it looks like shit. So uh, yeah, each drop, each big NFT drop would spawn new communities dedicated to hyping up these stupid, terrible-looking JPEGs in unison across any and every social media platform in a pretty obvious attempt to add value to what they had stupidly purchased. Yeah. The pyramid scheme aspect of this is blatant because if I'm paying $10,000 for a fucking monkey... Unless I can sell this for more than I bought it for, this was a bad idea. So <laughs> I, I need to make sure that everyone knows that I made the best investment choice you could possibly make. Mm -hmm. And don't forget all the very loud weirdos online who might actually be at the top of this pyramid telling everyone about how much money they're making and how great they're doing in order to rope you in yeah. to being involved and you, spending money on it. You're going to want to get in on this. So then came the gaming companies. They were already in the digital collectible space, so this was a no-brainer. Just create some assets for a pre-existing game, call them NFTs, put the transaction on the blockchain, and rake in the cash from a bunch of crypto bros. And so far, as we've said many times before, especially recently, it doesn't seem to be going the way these companies have hoped. 
with Ubisoft leading the charge and getting widely mocked for participating in this experiment. Will 2022 change the way that we see NFTs? Will there finally be an actual use for them developed next year? Or will they continue to be a crypto pyramid scheme that companies adopt simply because they don't want to get left in the dust? Honestly, we have no idea, but it's going to be a very dumb space for a very long time. I need this shit to crash <laughs> soon. I am i don't know how much more I can take. Please, stop. Did you know the Melania NFT uh, has an audio track to it too? What is it, her it's voice? It's just her telling what her vision is, because it's her eyes. This is my vision. My vision is a, a better world for, a better for world. children. Mm-hmm. Anyway, enough about NFTs. No fucking thanks. <laughs> we do have a hell of a lot more shit from 2021 to get to. But yeah. first, let's take a quick second to thank our sponsors, starting with Bespoke Post. The curators at Bespoke Post have done it again this winter with an all-new lineup of essential Box of Awesome collections for guys guaranteed to upgrade your life. You've heard us talk about some of their boxes that especially appeal to us, like this barrel aging kit for booze, this cocktail kit, this very fancy-looking one-hitter kit for uh, consuming legal substances <laughs> only. But kits also range from travel accessories to tools to hygiene products and more. Whether it's showcase pieces to level up your indoor hosting skills or cozy threads for those blustery days, Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. Right now, they've also got tons of great gift ideas and even guides on choosing the right gift, whether it's for the life of the party, the year-round explorer, the cozy homesteader, etc. To get started, take a quick at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of categories. It's free to sign up. You can skip a month or cancel at any time. And each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. You can get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code WEIRD at checkout. That is boxofawesome.com, code WEIRD, for 20% off your first box. This episode is also sponsored by Upstart. If you're carrying a credit balance month after month, it can feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of debt with no end in sight. Upstart can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Rather than looking at credit score alone, Upstart considers other factors like your income, current employment, and credit history to find you a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com weird. That is upstart.com weird. Don't forget to use our URL so you, uh, they know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Upstart.com slash weird. Uh, all right, back into the shit now. <laughs> Put on your waiting boots. And no annual recap would be complete without looking back at all the ways that Facebook was terrible for the world over the last 12 months. And this has been obviously true going back at least as far as 2016, when the Cambridge Analytica scandal first exposed just what a great disinformation tool Facebook is. And it has continued on since then, because Facebook doesn't actually give a shit about its users or the world. The most obvious impact of Facebook over this past year happened in the first week of January with those January 6 riots, which were largely planned right out in the open in Facebook's MAGA groups. Compared to the actual political repression and genocide that Facebook has facilitated outside the U.S., January 6th was actually kind of small potatoes, but it got people paying attention. And Facebook immediately went into damage control by banning the president. <laughs> okay, we're done. 
but internal memos show that Facebook knew long before then that most of the civic-themed groups on U.S. Facebook were totally toxic and not even recommendable based on Facebook's own standards. But they didn't do anything until these people stormed the Capitol. Now, this has always been a pattern for Mark Zuckerberg's companies. Never do the right thing until you start getting bad PR. An interesting aspect of this in terms of U.S. politics is that conservatives love to cry about Facebook censorship, but Facebook is still their number one platform. And thanks to internal leaks that just kept coming this year, one thing that was discovered is that Facebook actually treats conservative pages with kid gloves, specifically out of concern over conservative backlash. And because conservative and anti-vax became a lot more synonymous than before this past year, maybe that's why Facebook kept allowing most of the just 12 people found to be responsible for 73% of Facebook's anti-vax content to stay on the platform for so long. Hmm, maybe. What if we did nothing? Yeah. Speaking of those leaks, though, what, what came to be known as the Facebook papers started off with articles from outlets like the Wall Street Journal about stuff like Instagram's own internal research finding that Instagram is bad for the mental health of teenagers, and yet despite that, still having plans for a kid's version of Instagram. Hey, that sounds fun. Uh, one especially gross document was about how Facebook saw kids between 10 and 12 years old as a, quote, valuable, untapped audience. Eventually, the whistleblower behind a lot of these leaks revealed herself as Frances Haugen, who eventually went public before Congress and in several interviews to basically say that during her time on Facebook's civic misinformation team, she saw the company constantly choose profits over what's good for humanity and intentionally push controversial, high-engagement content onto people's timelines, None of which is at all surprising, but no. it was still nice to hear it spelled out by someone who'd seen it firsthand. Yeah, this was on top of all of the usual bullshit in the form of data leaks. Uh, Facebook is, after all, just a giant data mining company disguised as a social network. In April, a huge data leak was exposed, which included information for 533 million users. And that included phone numbers and other info that's very valuable to people doing phishing scams. A few weeks later, another vulnerability allowed scammers to see the email address of any Facebook user. Just bad stuff on all fronts. And it sounds like Frances Hagen isn't alone. Based on the leaks, it sounds like a lot of people working for Facebook don't feel good about what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. With one person saying at one point, history will not judge us kindly. So what do you do if you're Facebook and the bad news just doesn't stop? You change your name to Meta. We change the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you change your name to Meta and yeah. market what is essentially second life as a revolutionary new thing that everyone needs in their lives. Mm-hmm. Along with NFTs, the metaverse is something that everyone, but Facebook especially, is really trying to make happen. And while there's certainly some future for that kind of thing, as evidenced by stuff like Fortnite and VR Chat and all the other examples of metaverses over the years, this is Facebook we're talking about here. Yeah. All this means in the context of Facebook is, is, is Zoom meetings, but in VR, and also people spreading conspiracy theories, but in VR. You're not reading their posts. They're telling it to your face. Uh, Exciting and, stuff. And also giving Facebook uh, what I assume is eventually going to be thousands of dollars to decorate your in-world house room or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But enough about Facebook. 2021 was the year the conservatives finally had enough of big tech censorship once their president got permabanned everywhere. And uh, we, we saw all sorts of tech innovation from the free speech crowd in the forms of existing social networks like Gab and Parler, along with some new ones. Getter was hacked and, and defaced almost immediately <laughs> and was also spammed with pornography, racism, and pro-terrorism content to such an extent that Getter's owners learned a very quick lesson in why platforms moderate their content. What a concept. Oh, oh, you can't just let everyone post whatever the hell they want. What do you mean people will take advantage of this? Huh. 
Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Seems I owe Twitter an apology. <laughs> Jack, hello. And while Getter clearly wanted to be the place that former President Trump chose to get back onto social media, Trump had bigger plans. Get out of my way, Getter. Mm -hmm. And his plans were in the form of his own social network, Truth, which isn't even out yet, but has also suffered all sorts of technological setbacks, including the fact that it is literally just a reskinned version of the open source Mastodon social platform, but without the necessary licensing to actually do that. Yeah. Uh, we've got the full launch of Truth to look forward to next year. Oh, but, 2022 is going to slap because of this. But probably our, our favorite MAGA tech innovation of 2021 was the Freedom Phone which is literally just a cheap Chinese Android phone with some custom software on it and sold for a massive markup under the pretense that this is the only phone that can protect you from big tech. I mean, honestly, you got to respect the grift. Yeah, it was... Uh, and I do. Anyone the, who buys this shit, that's on you. The promotional material was worth the news story alone. Yeah. So it was great. It was like, you, you would only buy this if you know fucking nothing about how even the most basic aspects of technology You work. just have to be so blindly, like, not just... Pay, Patriotic is a word for these people, but yeah. blindly like Trump supporty to, to do this. It's the same people that buy like those uh, ready to print let's go Brandon shirts and flags. I got the freedom phone. It's yeah. fine. What could go wrong? No, I'm fine. Yeah. With the freedom phone. Uh, there's a button on it you can press to live stream your crimes. <laughs> uh, but speaking of grifts, the 2021 Grifter of the Year Award probably has to go to Mike Lindell. A guy who successfully politicized pillows and then put his conservative pillow money to great use via several high production presentations trying and failing to prove that Donald Trump actually won the 2020 election. He did so much for conservative pillows that for some reason oh, people had to, they, they saw that they we had to a launch a liberal pillow company. pillow company. No, no, they're just called pillows. <laughs> they're just pillows. I need a secular pillow. Can we keep politics out of pillows? Yeah, please. In 2022, that's a goal. Mm -hmm. uh, he'll also likely be putting his pillow money to great use in the lawsuits that have been filed against him for defaming the ballot machine companies that he claims rigged the election, which was uh, definitely not rigged. And we know this because even companies hired specifically to find evidence haven't found shit. Even companies that were formed out the of cyber ninjas, conservative groups yeah. in order to do this. Really? And uh, yeah, turns out... Turns out there's nothing. Also, every actual example of voter fraud that we've seen from last year has come from conservatives who voted twice. Yeah. Including the like the children of actual representatives. Yeah. In some cases. Well, funny how that works out. It's almost like it's projection. Anyway, Mike Lindell stands to lose billions of dollars. I don't even know if he's worth that much. And and all of this for what exactly? For even, one crazy night with Jane Krakowski. <laughs> even his old friends at the conservative news networks don't want him around anymore because they're afraid that he'll get them sued. Yes. And also, oh, also uh, for a minute, it sounded like Mike Lindell would be launching his own like free speech social network. It was going to be called Frank Speech. Uh, it got delayed a bunch. And then when it finally launched, it ended up just essentially being Mike Lindell's personal website, which, yes. which kind of makes it seem like maybe this guy doesn't actually even know what social media is. Which is pretty incredible. Yeah, honestly. And then, of course, over the summer, his cyber symposium, a marathon day. And this that's the, one of the strangest things about Mike Lindell is that uh, you got to hand it to him. The man in any other, like, like if he was born in the 1800s, he would have been like the old, he would have owned Ringling Brothers Circus. Yeah. Ultimate Carnival Barker. He, when he wants to do a live stream, they're like, Mike, you want to do like an hour or something, do a little uh, appearance? And he's like, no. No. The minimum time that I will appear on a live stream is 24 hours. No breaks. 48 hours if I'm really feeling awake. Yeah, you got to admire his work ethic. Yeah, the and, man never stops. And nothing else about him. Yeah. But another MAGA world grifter whose 2021 didn't go so great was, of course, 
Alex Jones, who just a decade ago was just some conspiracy theory crank with a radio show, but quickly became one of the most influential media figures in America as he hitched his wagon to Trumpism. It seemed to have worked out great for him for a while, but he girl-bossed too close to the sun. <laughs> it cast a huge spotlight on the fact that back in 2012, Alex Jones essentially created the Sandy Hook Truther Movement, which falsely believes that the Sandy Hook Elementary School Massacre was a false flag and that all of the grieving parents were actually crisis actors. Yeah, so that's bad enough on its own, but Jones has a big fan base, so this created a living hell for those parents on top of the tremendous grief they were already experiencing at the murders of their children. Because Alex Jones fans have been harassing and threatening these people ever since, with some of the parents having to move several times and basically live like they're in witness protection. Well, this year, the chickens finally came home to roost for Alex Jones when multiple defamation lawsuits against him by Sandy Hook parents resulted in guilty verdicts and fines for Jones, who wasn't even brave enough to show up to defend himself in court. Uh, it's still unclear how much exactly Jones stands to lose in all this. The, that part of these trials haven't gotten there yet, but could be a lot. And beyond money, I mean, the fact that QAnon's gotten so big has also kind of made Alex Jones redundant and unnecessary in the very conspiracy community that he was once the figurehead of. Sounds like it's kind of all downhill from here for Alex Jones. And you know what? Good fucking riddance. Yeah, with a lot of these groups, it's uh, a lot of the figurehead, the former figureheads are getting ousted for not being crazy enough. Yeah. Which is... You know, you really hate to see it. Sorry, Alex. Uh, you were, you know, back when you were just making cameo appearances in Richard Linklater movies, it's like, yeah, that guy's a little crazy, but, like, where's the harm? Yeah. And then you, uh, I guess we, we found out. Yeah. We fucked around and we found out. Yeah. Now, plenty of other MAGA World characters fought hard this year to get a mention in this video, but we can't cover them all. So here's a, a few key standouts. Matt Gates had a hell of a year and stands to have a hell of a next year as oh, well. Oh, yeah since somehow he still technically hasn't even been officially charged with anything related to the stuff that his old wingman, Joel Greenberg, has already pleaded guilty to and is assisting authorities with. Yeah. Greenberg's own list of crimes is an absolute laundry list of scummy local politician corruption. But where it crosses over with Matt Gates is in lots and lots of allegations that the two of them had sugar daddy relationships with various young women, which isn't technically illegal, though there are plenty of questions about the sources of that money, uh, but also allegedly some of them were so young that the law considers them minors, which is definitely illegal, especially if you transport them over state lines, which, legally speaking, is sex trafficking. Uh-oh. Now, the amount of evidence from various sources, including Greenberg himself, that Matt Gates may have engaged in some light sex trafficking, or at the very least, solicitation of prostitution, seems pretty overwhelming and airtight. Like, but, you know, I mean, even Matt Gates' own sister-in-law, Palmer Lucky's sister. Yeah, because he's dating or getting married to Palmer Lucky's sister. So Palmer Lucky's other sister. Thinks, it's a weird family tree. Yeah, she called Matt Gates publicly on, on TikTok. She's like, yeah, he's a, he's a creepy dude. He's literally a pedophile. Yeah. She walked it back, but it's just like, damn, even this guy's own extended family, they don't like him. Not but a alas, the law has yet to pounce, and honestly, might never, because in this country, political power is often pretty great for avoiding consequences. Well, especially when it's uh, passed down from generation to generation, yeah. which it did in his family. But uh, yeah, so that's where Matt Gates is at. Very exciting stuff, potentially in the cards. Uh, also, an honorable mention would have to go to uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, one of the first members of Congress to specifically come out of the MAGA movement and, and also QAnon, although yeah. she has done a great job of just uh, pretending she was never into that shit. She, like, dabbles at least once every two weeks yeah. uh, in that little uh, cesspool. But she's basically just your boomer uncle's Facebook feed come to life yeah, and given a job. 
Voting yeah. on our nation's laws. Yeah, the Facebook feed has become sentient, and it yeah. now represents a portion of Georgia. Yeah, and, and this was demonstrated beautifully when she literally used her time at the pulpit in Congress to show off giant printouts of Facebook memes. <laughs> You'll see here, he unmasks the villain in Scooby-Doo, and it's communism. Yeah. And that's just the light shit she's done. She's done actually She's a bad person. Shit. Yeah. Um, but that's enough politics for today. Uh, basically, in summary, the MAG, MAGA movement, it's still alive, and it's somewhat well, despite their messiah no longer being in office or on Twitter. But stay tuned, because he's running. He's running. Get out the fucking way. Yeah. So that's the Republican Party now, and they've got a long future ahead of them, thanks to the Democrats refusing to seize the very few opportunities that they get to make a case for why they're a better alternative. Mm-hmm. It's maddening. It, 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 yeah. Yep. The, the Dems, they won on a platform of we're not Trump in 2020, but the chances of that working out for them again in 2022 in the midterms, not looking so bright, at least right now. So, uh, hey, that's something to look forward to next year. It's uh, election year, technically. Uh, but again, okay, no more politics. Let's move on to other horrible shit, like Activision Blizzard being outed as an absolutely horrific place to work if you're a woman. So yeah, over the summer, the state of California sued Activision Blizzard for rampant gender discrimination, and they clearly did their due diligence before filing that lawsuit because the documents they filed with their lawsuit are full of examples of sexual harassment, discrimination, retaliation, and just very, very bad vibes about one of the biggest video game developers on earth. They they described it as a frat house atmosphere. Mm And look, these are things that can happen at any company and often do. But what was especially fucked up about this was that Activision Blizzard's HR department and its top executives, including CEO Bobby Kotick himself, seem to have actively gone out of their way to not do a damn thing to address any of these ongoing issues, some of which go back decades. Yeah, in gaming and other typically male-dominated fields, it turns out that the reason you don't see as many women jumping uh, up and joining those ranks is because the environment is actively hostile towards them. And we saw several other examples of this at other companies this year, like SpaceX and Tesla. And we've seen it at other game developers over the last couple of years as well. Big companies love to talk about inclusion, but without active efforts within these companies to root out the obstacles to actually achieving inclusion, it's all just talk. So it's at least nice that more and more women are finding the courage to speak out about this, but it sucks that it's it's 2021, and it's something that we're still even having to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what else happened in 2021? Oh, the 2020 Olympics happened, happened in, 2020. in 2021. Okay, yeah. They didn't take place in 2020 for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. but everyone very optimistically assumed that COVID wouldn't be such a problem a year later. Turns out COVID was actually much, much worse by the time the summer of 2021 rolled around, so... The games were still held. It's like, well, we can't postpone it again. Despite the uh, pleas uh, from their uh, yeah. locals, please cancel. Please cancel the Olympics. We don't want Olympics. it anymore. Um, yeah, they were held with no spectators. Uh, there were still uh, obviously very valid concerns about the thousands of athletes from around the world creating a sort of mini super spreader scenario. That didn't quite happen. Lots of athletes did end up testing positive. And lots of athletes fucked. Oh, yeah. yeah but they, they got free condoms. Mm-hmm. And they fucked on they, their cardboard beds. They broke those beds, damn it. Um, But yeah, Japan, they didn't do so well on this one. They ended up losing tens of billions of dollars. Just ate the cost. No spectators, that means... No tourism dollars. No tourism dollars. And uh, yeah, spectator-free version of the Olympics, not so great for the local economy. And by the time the games rolled around, the local population was overwhelmingly, just openly hostile to these games. They were protesting their own Olympics. Please, just cancel the fucking thing. 
God damn it. In addition to all the uh, other, all that stuff, there was plenty of other bullshit surrounding these games, as there is with every Olympics. There was a span of weeks when, just before the game started, uh, people involved in the planning for the games just started dropping like <laughs> flies due to a wave of cancel culture sweeping across Japan. Which was... It was, uh, I mean, a lot of it was like serious stuff, but clearly it was motivated also by the fact that they just wanted to stop these games anyway. Yeah, they were like, they you can know protest what? it and also just get, if they get, if everyone involved in the game's canceled, they can't help the that game. That was the thing. They saw, they, they were like, America does this really, really well. Yeah. You, <laughs> you say some things and then people get canceled for it. Yeah. So we're going to do that to everyone we don't like at the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, U.S. track and field sprinter Shikari Richardson was banned from competing because she tested positive for fucking marijuana. Stupid. Uh, in a country where they be- baked that giant brownie. Yeah. Uh, Come on. NBC once again bungled their coverage <laughs> of the game so badly that barely anyone in the U.S. even watched them or even knew how to watch them or when to watch them if they wanted to. I got to download Peacock? Is that like a porno app? And anytime they were on, it was like, I have no idea if this has already happened or it's yeah. live. Uh I'm just going to go on Twitter and see who won yeah. and watch the recaps there. Anyways, we've got uh, another Olympics coming up in just over a month. <laughs> and this time it's a cold Olympics. Ooh. So get ready for plenty more Olympics bullshit in 2022. And that one's in China. Yeah. The, and it's you, being protested because the U.S. The, has already uh, boycotted it diplomatically, which just means like no diplomats are going to be there. Yeah. Is this all stemming from the missing tennis player too? Oh, I forgot about that. Is she still missing? She accused uh, a high-ranking government official oh, right, in China right, yeah. of sexual assault and then uh, was never heard from again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of lot of things bad about China, for sure. Mm-hmm. But this is this is just dick-wagging by the U.S. Yeah. Typical. They're still going to go snowboarding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there was uh, so much more this year. There was uh, a lot. We didn't even mention uh, people eating horse paste. Oh, my God. Uh, and how that was like... A Don't hu- say the word. A huge part of the news cycle was people uh, arguing over whether fucking horse paste. I know it's not just for horses. I know but, we know that it is also prescribed for humans for certain yeah, things, but it's but, not for COVID. Yeah, that was a whole thing, and you couldn't say it. We got episodes taken down because we talked about it. Yeah, some real bullshit. John McAfee fucking died in like a pretty tragic way. I mean, he he was a terrible man, but still got a feel for the guy. Uh, died in prison. Yeah, in Spain. Yeah. Uh, also, the year kicked off, uh, hard to remember because of everything else that was going on in January, but the year kicked off with Game Stonks. Oh, yeah. The meteoric rise of a company that was essentially doomed to die. Yeah. Uh, and then the... Uh, Retail large... investors fought back. It, it changed the paradigm of uh, stock trading and it, uh, yeah, it actually, saved the company. It's really scary, like, looking at... If you go on, like, a stock ticker and just pick any of, like, the S&P 500 companies and just, like, any big company and then look at, like, this year and you're like, oh, it looks like a normal chart and then go out, like, five years. You can see the COVID dip, but, like, the stocks at their all-time highs and then the COVID dip, the stocks are worth, like... Like, every stock is worth, like, double. There's... Something bad is yeah, going to happen. The, the, the line. There's yeah. no way that companies are better off now than they were before COVID, but somehow they're worth twice as much, which I'm an idiot. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about when it comes to the stock market, yeah, but the, that uh, seems bad. The S&P, the S&P's average annual returns 10 years ago was like 10 to 15%. And the past three years, they've been like 35%. <laughs> it's not good. I like... I don't know. Maybe maybe this is just the new normal. Maybe maybe it might be because investing of an is just of, better. It, it might be because of the influx of retail investors that more people are buying. Maybe. It but, may be, but like... But it, yeah, it's also something that could uh, 
Hopefully, at least just slow down, just <laughs> taper off. That would be or, nice. But that's you know, it's a stock market, so people panic. And uh, even if it just does taper off, people are like, oh, we got to get out. Well, it's going to crash. So the thing and then they the, cause the crash. The Game Stonks thing was uh, basically a, a large group of people online uniting against hedge funds, uh, against them betting against that stock. So trying to bankrupt hedge funds. It started a huge fucking war between retail investors and uh, institutions, uh, as well as uh, got Robin Hood in a lot of hot water. Put Wall Street Bets subreddit on the map. Yes. Uh, and rose a bunch of other stocks along with it, like AMC, who's given out free bags of popcorn to I'm, any investor. I'm still holding AMC. <laughs> Full and then we saw, of course, uh, in the same vein, the rise of Dogecoin, which has oh, not recovered fucking... since Elon Musk appeared on Saturday Night Live yep. in like April. Yeah. I don't even remember what it was, but it was something like that, and it hasn't come back since. Oh, also, a big old ship got stuck in the Suez Canal. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good times. There's, there's a canal, because we used to have to send ships all the way around Africa mm -hmm. to get from Europe to Asia. But over 100 years ago, they solved that by digging a canal that just goes through a little strip of Egypt and saves weeks of travel time. The only thing that could possibly go wrong is if one of these big ships somehow got lodged, just blocking the entire fucking canal. But that would never happen. Well, it fucking happened. And uh, it shut down that canal for what, like a week and a half, two weeks? Yeah, it caused- It was a while. Yeah, really, really, like in an already strained shipping industry because of coronavirus and everything else, just caused, just throwing it on the pile. And then they got it free and everyone involved was like, not my ship. Yeah. All right, see you guys later. And they're like, we, somebody owes us like billions of dollars worth of fines. And then everyone's like, the, it was like, not the ever given, but the company that owned it, the ship's name was ever given. The Evergreen was yeah. like, there was a couple different And everyone companies. just kind of walked away. They're like, yeah, it's not yeah. ours. And I think it's still just sitting there. Uh, no, they towed it away somewhere else. Okay. But um, yeah, just a real, it was, I mean, it was amazing because it's like, you don't think about it, but yeah, they're just like, there's these points of failure in the way the world works. Yeah. That it just, you don't even consider. Breeze. You're like, oh yeah, well, there goes global shipping. Yes. Whoops. Oops. Um, some good things that happened. There was that Josh fight, which was basically this year's Storm Area 51. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, everyone named Josh showed up at a park in like Ohio or some shit. And, it was uh, actually, no, it was in the Midwest. Uh, it was very Indiana. surprising. It was like Kansas or something like that. But it was very surprising oh, that yeah, people, yeah. we were kind of hesitant on whether or not people would show up. A lot of Josh's showed up. And a lot of people showed up. Yeah, it was, it was a, a good wholesome moment where the internet comes together IRL and uh, it's not toxic they had, like, or weird. like a pool noodle fight. <laughs> yeah. I think it was actually like, it was as close as they could get to the technical center of the country. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, and also, I mean, I guess technically good news, justice news, like yeah. Derek Chauvin, the guy who killed George Floyd, found guilty. Uh, those fucking crackers over in uh, <laughs> Georgia that yeah. killed Ahmaud Arbery also found guilty. Would have been better if uh, these things didn't happen in the first place, yeah. but it's uh, it was refreshing in a justice system that uh, often uh, let, lets that way, people yeah. off and uh, yeah, doesn't doesn't do much for justice. It was very refreshing to see the justice system actually uh, convict these people. Mm -hmm. uh, also, we did it again. We landed something on Mars and this time it had a little helicopter on it. Oh that, yeah, this is probably my favorite thing from the year is we sent, we keep sending these cars up to Mars, which is cool. It's like, yeah. look at that. It's driving on Mars. Isn't that nice? It's picking up soil samples and taking pictures. But what if we gave one of these little Mars cars, a friend. Mm -hmm. And they set this little drone up with 
the uh, Endeavor, is it? The most recent uh, lander? I'm not sure. Um, per- Perseverance is the drone, and uh, they'd never tried this. Like, well, And it worked! Flying a little helicopter. It was only supposed to last like three weeks. It was literally just a test to see even if it's like possible. Yeah. And it's still going. Yeah. They're still sending it flying around. And they're finding all kinds of water and shit up there now. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting stuff. Also, speaking of space, 2021 was the year that actual space tourism started happening. Oh, yeah. Fucking uh, Jeff William Bezos. William Shatner. <laughs> William Shatner went up. Uh, uh, Jeff Bezos obviously went up. Uh, and now they're sending uh, that guy from uh, Today Show or Good Morning American. Good Morning America. Matt Lauer. <laughs> Just launching him into the sun. Don't bring him back. <laughs> yeah. And one of the hosts of like uh, one of those morning shows is going up next. So. All right. But yeah, space it's tourism. It's still just some rich people shit. Yeah, it is. But it actually, 2021 was the year that space tourism became a reality. It's funny. I, I was reading a, a Ray Bradbury short story collection recently. He's, mm-hmm. He wrote these stories in like the fucking 40s and 50s. Yeah. And the, one of the short stories was like about how in the age of like rockets and shit, it's still just rich people doing it. So yeah, like of course. These poor people, they're just watching rockets go across the sky. Whee! And they're like, <laughs> one day, someday, maybe I'll get to ride in one of those. Yeah. So. Look, it's, yeah, yeah maybe not your generation, but in a couple of generations when it's not cool anymore, there's going to be a We're Spirit, gonna, be a spirit be Airlines version of Jeff Bezos' thing eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And people are going to get so mad that they have to wear a mask. Oh, I'm going into space and I got to wear a mask. This is stupid. Ugh. I'm going to fight the space marshal. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw him out the airlock. Yeah. Um, Woo! There was so much more that happened this year, but again, it's like we're in time purgatory. Yeah, I was going through our, our Google Docs just to refresh my memory on stuff. I was like, I don't remember so much of this stuff. We are in a paradox where time is both moving too fast and too slow at the same time. Things have not... They, they're... Look, I don't want to like be presumptuous about how this thing's going to pan out with Omicron or whatever, but things are somewhat normal now, especially after the Delta craziness. Um, I'm hoping that it continues to be somewhat okay. I hope we can get back to fully normal eventually. That would be nice. Yeah. um, I don't know what the future holds. I'm hoping it's a lot better than what we've been dealing with for the past couple of years. But well, then again, they burned that goat down. They did. They so maybe that, that is the... Uh, the Yevlebakken in Sweden is has finally caught fire again. That's, a, I think, a good omen. Yeah. So we'll leave it at that and say that we're excited to see you in, uh, in 2022. We're going to have a... It's going to look the same, but we have a, another new studio we have to move into. But we're going to stay there for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, thank you for sticking with us this entire year. Uh, we hope to see you next year. Well, thank you for sticking with the channel and watching our show. If you're not already subscribed, hit the subscribe button. Uh, if you, for some reason, are feeling generous and you want to hit the join button, that gives us a... Uh, well, that would be the best cut. Christmas present for me and for Susan. Yeah, hit the she join button. She gets two bucks, we get three. Yeah. And uh, you get a couple icons and stuff like that. Anyways, thank you for joining us this year. We hope you enjoyed, uh, like, what, 200 episodes we did this year or something like that? Ugh! 200 something. Fucking Christ. I think. What's what's four times 52? Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for watching all of our episodes. And if you haven't already, check out our most recent ones over here. We'll see you in the new year. Stay safe. Have a good holiday season. I love you. Bye.